Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Season 3 of the Mystical American Patriot Society is transmitting to you from a high desert encampment, on the frontier of our agrarian hoplite republic. This is a variety program for happy warriors who are getting some seriously bad vibes from the deranged post-Christian technocracy. Grab a tankard of yak's milk and join us by the campfire. As Sumo and Cavi return to shake your surveillance, expel your parasites, and generally have a good time. Are you ready? Stand by. Hello, my friends. Hello, hello. Today we have a great show for you uh, with the great, the illustrious, the um, phenomenal Crow 777, Crow 777 of Crow 777 Radio. Um, it is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite personalities on the entirety of the internet. 
and maybe the 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 realm that we live in, uh, because he's actually done the work of providing evidence of anomalous things that you have to, if you're honest, try and account for in your life and in your cosmology. And you can ignore it if you choose, and that's great. Uh, but if you do not want to ignore it, he can show you evidence that's repeatable, that you can verify for your own self with your own equipment. You can get uh, with tools that any in, most anyone can afford if they're willing to put up a little bit of money to go and purchase and to record the sky, the moon, the sun, the clouds. And he will show you exactly how you can record um, things which do not fit in with um, what we're told the world is like. Uh, he has a great documentary uh, called Shoot the Moon, in addition to his podcast. Uh, the Shoot the Moon um, uh, documentary is available on Vimeo and on his website. I think it's $7 to rent on Vimeo. And it is uh, comes with membership to his website. Uh, you can see it's a great documentary. It has tons of footage of objects tre- uh, uh, crossing the moon at night. Strange objects which can't be satellites. Um, if you think about it for a few seconds, it can't be satellites. They cannot be birds. They cannot be... They, they're something else. They're something traveling in straight lines, perfectly straight lines across the sky that have strange shapes, triangular shapes, boomerang shapes, um, clusters of spheres that are much too large and in focus to be satellites, which would be thousands and thousands of miles away, um, and therefore very small. And nor do they reflect light in the way that a satellite would, nor are they, nor are they uh, recorded as, as being logged by satellite tracking software. So it's something you have to think about and, and try to explain. He has a video of something like a wave of water going over the moon. They're called the lunar wave um, or the firmament wave, as he likes to call it, uh, which other people have captured, which if you film the moon yourself for long periods of time, uh, you will probably eventually capture yourself. Uh, he's gone to great lengths to try and explain to himself and to us how those things cannot be um, artifacts of the of the video um, equipment, how they cannot be glitches. Um, and I think that they are legitimate filmings of something. What they are, that's another thing. But uh, it leaves you with a lot of questions about what such things as the moon are. What is above our heads? Um, you know, he's captured... Uh, the sudden appearance of the sudden and brief appearance of vortex-like, uh, what would you call it, apparitions in the sky, which can only be captured with a full-spectrum camera. They are not visible to the to the to the visible eye. They're not in the visible spectrum. If you go out and get a full-spectrum camera, you can also see these things. Um, so it is. Uh, it's the kind of thing I like where there's like, it's not, it's, it is, it is quote unquote woo, but like woo with evidence. Uh, here's stuff you can see and reproducible evidence. You don't have, you don't, you don't just have to rely on what someone else has shown you. He gives you all of the tools, techniques that you need 
to reproduce it for yourself if you so desire. And I have seen some of these things with my own eyes, uh, un uh, unaided by any equipment. So it's a very interesting interview. Crow's a very interesting person. He has very interesting takes on the world and life and um, everything in general. And I think it, it shows you uh, how important the cosmology is, how important cosmology, how important what you think you're on and what you think above your head and what you think about time and what you think about space is and how easily getting out of sync with that has knock-on effects on your entire reality that you probably never even imagined. Um, it affects your spirituality. It affects your religion. It affects your politics. It affects everything about your life. It affects what time you wake up in the morning. Um, and it really is a, it's fundamental. It's foundational to human life to be connected to nature and to, uh, to the sky. And when you take that away, um, nothing else really functions properly. And I think you could make a good argument. We didn't go into this in the podcast, in the, in the interview, but I think you could make a good argument that perhaps um, many, uh, if not most, of our modern maladies that, that we've complained about on this show and would be corrected if there was even the slightest degree of return to this sort of knowledge of of nature and how things work and because it exposes so many lies it exposes uh geo i mean just it just, for if you look at the sky long enough geopolitics falls down it really does um it all starts to unravel uh local citizenship starts the idea of it start uh, everything starts to fall down if you go back and reconnect yourself um with the sky and so this interview it's really good. Cavi is not with me today because I think he's left for Malaysia. I think he's already done that. Uh, he'll be back, I think. Um, but he and his wife uh, wanted to escape the Canadian cold, and they have gone to Malaysia for a while. Um, so anyway. But uh, before we get into the interview, I wanted to do a brief, a brief, a brief talk about Santa Claus. Because this is, it's it's actually a big problem. Not Santa Claus. Santa Claus is good. Everyone that's anti-Santa, you need to you need to repent. Because Santa Claus is good. Look, I know you want the holiday to be about Jesus. I do too. But, but holidays need like mascots, right? And the Jesus can't be the mascot. He's like the, he's the reason, he's the, he's the thing about the season. But you can't have like a character Jesus can't be a character because the character has to be pretend, like sort of playful. It's a different, Easter needs the bunny, right? Halloween has like skeletons and go, big holidays need a little character, man. They need a thing. And what you want is Santa Claus, the jolly guy who is sincere, who is kind, who is magical, who's like, it's special. It's not, and if you, if you abandon Santa Claus, everyone, I think you're seeing this now. What you're going to get instead is the Grinch and Krampus. Okay? You don't get just a holiday that's not, has a character. That's not what you're going to get. You get, you things are replaced with things. They don't just go away. Okay? You're going to get Krampus or you're going to get the Grinch. And I think you're seeing a lot of the Grinch. There's been a lot of Grinch this year and in the past couple of years. And why? Owen, Owen Cyclops talked about this a lot recently on Twitter. He was, um, 
you know, it, Santa Claus is sincere, right? It, it, you may not believe in Santa Claus. You may be an adult, but Santa Claus is sincere. Like he, he comes to do, to do, there's no malice in Santa Claus. He comes to do good and to spread joy and cheer. There's no irony. He's like anti-irony, right? But the Grinch or Krampus is like, oh, he hates Christmas, but here it's Christmas. So I get it. It's ironic. Did he do? It's so poisoned with like this modern irony that refuses to take anything seriously or at face value and, and just accept goodness for being good. It has to poison it with like, oh yeah, but I'm cool. And uh, you look at me, I, I'm going to turn it into something that's a little edgy. Not good. It's not a good move. And I'm telling you now, everyone that has been against Santa because they think he's a secular character and takes Christ out of Christmas, it's the wrong move. He's not in any way competition with, with Jesus. If anything, he keeps the wholesomeness of the holiday for people that are non-religious. Because it's a wholesome character. He comes in. You don't want that replaced with the Grinch or with Krampus. Those are bad, the, the bad replacements. And I know people are like, oh, Krampus is traditional. Yeah, for weird people in weird Europe where they do weird things. You don't want to, we don't, we never, there's nothing ever in Europe that we want to replicate. They don't even know what feet and pounds are. They're, they're ridiculous. They, they, they can't, nothing works there. You don't want to be them. And in America, we have it correct. Santa Claus comes, he drinks milk and cookies and a Coca-Cola and he's jolly and everything is happy. And it's like, this is a holiday for children. And we, and it's, and we treat it seriously. And like, we're not, no irony, pure outpouring of like love and like, gentleness. At least that's the goal. Not everyone lives up to that goal every year. That's fine. It's a hard goal to hit, but that's the goal. And you want a mascot for your holiday, which is wholesome and good. You don't want one, which is irony poisoned and a little bit evil, right? So this is a rallying cry. I just thought I'd mention this before. It had nothing to do with the interview, but I just wanted to mention this before we jump into it. Because I know a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of religious people, Christians get upset about Santa because they feel like he's a... Trust me, you're going to have secular holiday whether you want it or not. You can have a good defender of secular holiday, a good mascot, or an irony-poised evil one. Pick. You don't get to have none. That will not. That's not what happens if you go on a rail against Santa. I am a Santa defender. Santa Claus is good. He has everything representative good about him. There's not a bad thing about Santa at all. He's got he's got uh, ancient um, connections to uh, Germanic paganism, which we have baptized and made good. He's got uh, shamanism things in there where he's like the Anina Muscaria mushroom. We've talked about that before. Uh, he's got, um, you know... Wholesome little milk and cookies. He's connected to, to St. Nicholas of Mira, the real, the real, it, and no, there's nothing bad. It is the epitome of like Western civilization in a good form. And you need to be Santa respecters, Santa respecters. This is a Santa respecting podcast and I hope a Santa respecting listenership. And I think that you will agree with me if you think for, 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 think over it for a few minutes that that's what we would want instead of the Grinch. So, this is the century that decides the fate of Santa Claus. 
really is. If millennials, which are childless, they don't have any reason to celebrate Santa. They're just going to gravitate towards ugliness and as they do with every holiday. They have to make everything bad, right? They have to make everything irony poison because it's not, they're incapable of sincerity. And so I think you need to dive into Santa Claus harder. Get yourself a Santa hat. Get yourself a Santa suit. Lay out the milk and cookies and throw the reindeer food in the lawn. Do, do the things because otherwise what you will get is just more, you know how they've taken Halloween and turned it from like, you know, a fun thing for kids to like this overly gory, slutty thing of, of right? All of the, that was what's going to happen with Christmas. Okay. That's what you're going to get. So Santa Claus is your defender against that for the future. With that in mind. Uh, everyone, please enjoy, or actually not with that in mind, because that has nothing to do with it. Please enjoy this interview uh, with the great Crow777. And at the end of it, I've recorded a little Christmas song for you to to listen to, if you, at your leisure, if you would like. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Okay, yes. Hello, uh, Crow. This is I'm so happy to have you here. I've been a longtime listener of your show. Um, love everything about it. And I'm very pleased that you decided to uh, come on our show for today. My co-host couldn't be here because he has recently moved to Malaysia. And that's, I don't know. <laughs> wow. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Malaysia, that's a big jump. Yeah, he wasn't. He's in Canada normally, but he, the winters just got too much for him, and he and his wife decided this winter they were going to live at least the next like four or five months in Malaysia. So, well, good for I him, a, I guess. It, it, if I had a choice between the Arctic Circle and Malaysia, I think I'd choose Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, yeah, for our listeners that aren't familiar, and I don't know how they wouldn't be because I've mentioned you several times on on our show. Um, Crow is the host of Crow Seven Seven Seven. The, uh, uh, the podcast, YouTube channel, your own website, um, where you have some of the most, in my opinion, provocative and interesting content on the internet. And I wanted to talk to you, with you today specifically about your Shoot the Moon, Shoot the Moon documentary, which is um, pretty amazing. And I still okay. have it. I've watched it and I still don't really know what to make of it. Okay. Um, um, just just to make a correction, uh, Crow Triple Seven, C R R O W seven 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 is my YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, my my website in the podcast is Crow Triple Seven Radio. Okay. Yes, that's true. That's correct. Yeah, Crow Triple Seven Radio. Um, and you had a documentary. Was it? Did it come out in twenty seventeen? Am I correct? Uh, no. I would. I I I want to say. Boy, that's a good, I wanted to say 2019. I'm just not sure at this point. I've done so much content. Uh, Let's see. Jason and I started recording. It must have been the fall. I think it was the fall of 2018. Um, Okay. Okay. I knew it was somewhere in the, in the Trump madness era. It came, it sort of seemed to come out. Um, And I was thinking 2017, but I guess it was later than that. But it is a, it is your mostly entirely yours you have a few other a few, at least one other person in there's uh, recordings but of your years of just videograph uh videotaping the moon and the sky 
through a telescope and all of the anomalies you picked up um, while doing so. And it is fascinating. And if it had been almost anyone else, I would have just said, oh, it's that's a hoax or whatever. But I I've I've listened to you so much and I know your integrity that I had to sort of wrestle with it when I saw the um the moon wave especially the lunar well wave. oh is it the, okay so i mean yeah. I, I i get that when i filmed it i i spent quite a bit of time trying to dismiss um that footage as you know equipment or something else but was that the only thing that's really got you wrestling i mean that, the object? that got me the most that got me the most um all the objects you see passing in front of the moon and that you capture in the sky and the vortex uh are all are all very interesting in their own right, but the lunar wave is so perplexing. And for listeners that aren't aware, Crow has captured, and now other people have captured as well, independently of Crow. Um, it's so hard to describe. It, 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 it is he's videotaping the moon through a telescope, and you just see this undulating wave pass over the moon, almost as if it's rendering. <laughs> Is <laughs> I don't know, and then it passes by, and then a, a few seconds later, a second one comes by. So, and like you way- said, when I first saw it, I said, "Oh, that's some that's some camera artifact." Well, but, that's the, uh, that's the yeah. thing, you know. Digital digital equipment doesn't fail organically, right? Everybody knows right. it pixelates, but if I was trying to describe what it looks like to someone who's never seen it, if you took an old VHS camera and recorded an old tube tv screen yes that rolling wave that you get um that's the closest i could come to describing it Um, yeah because the old tvs were raster scanning like they had an electron beam and it would go back and forth and so you get artifacts like in lines as they undulated up and down but digital cameras don't do that no it's it's a whole different thing but uh, ironically the first time I filmed it was in the fall of 2017, actually at the time on a true equinox. They never report the equinox dates right. So the mm-hmm. the, the night that I shot this, and it was not all the way dark, it was early evening, um, it was actually equal day and night. So I held on to it for a year. I never really wanted to get involved in social media. I'd been a webmaster. I kind of had a sense of where all that was going. I was very aware that it was all there for data collection. Um, But a year later, I put it up online and all hell broke loose. Uh, The flat earth movement blew wide open like 30 days after I posted that literally. But ironically, the way that I shot it was a fluke and it proved that it was actually a filmed event. And what I did unknowingly, so I've got a telescope with a camera on the back and I'm looking at the little three inch LCD window. That's how I'm watching all this. Right. I scan the scope down. I pan it below the moon and the wave begins, but I didn't notice it. When I pan back up to the center of the moon, the wave catches up to the camera. And it took me a while to realize this, but when I did, I knew instantly, oh my, you know, this is, this is real. This is a filmed event. Yeah, because if it was in the camera, then it would move with the camera, but it stayed on the moon and then caught up to the shot. Right. Well, I Which mean, is, was 40, at least 40 people have filmed it. The wave. Has, and yeah. now it shouldn't probably be called the lunar wave. I don't even remember if I called it that or someone else did, but it's been filmed in front of both Jupiter and Saturn. And if I was going to re-describe it these days, I think I might call it a firmament wave. 
Okay, so you're saying that I haven't, I wasn't aware of this. There, you've seen similar waves filmed on Jupiter and Saturn. You said, yeah, identical. Yeah, two two waves. Oh, wow. What what I would what has been labeled a lunar wave, uh, and actually more than once in front of I don't know. I want to say Jupiter, one or the other, but it's so what that, that tells you is it can be at least ecliptic or the the path of the sun moon and the and the so-called planets yeah yeah it 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 looks like a wave of water is passing over the the planetary body or the moon or whatever and it's like displacing the the image briefly and then rolling back to normal well i i guess i would it, it took me a while to really it is displacing i have a couple videos up way back on youtube uh, i can't put content i just put you know, I put up clips now that point to my website because they've censored right. me. They pull down or strike me on everything I put up, but I have a clip up there that shows the displacement. So if you look at what people like to call a crater, when the wave goes by, it displaces. So the entire image of the moon is displaced and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fall back to where it was. It's literally displaced from our point of view. Yeah. And, and, and so like, like I'm sure you did, I, went through all manner of like thinking like, well, what could this be and explaining it in a prosaic terms came up with nothing. Right. Because, and I know you talked about this in the film, people say like, Oh, it's like exhaust from a passing plane or whatever, but that wouldn't, it wouldn't roll across the whole moon. Like well, that. I show examples when, you, yeah. you know, when you're out there filming for like, there were <laughs> points when I was filming eight hours or more and you get so tediously bored when you see a plane, you you just film it because it's something to film. And I filmed, I don't even know, endless numbers of planes transiting the moon or very close to the moon in the film Shoot the Moon. I think Jason included one or two of them mm -hmm. to show that it's just not the same thing. Yeah, um, and no by the way, we you know, we're we're given Shoot the Moon away for free now. Anyone who's a member of Crow Triple Seven Radio can watch it anytime they want. So we just give it to all our members. Yeah, and it's I recommend it. It's it's great. It's fascinating footage, some of the most compelling footage on the internet, in my opinion. It's there's, also there's, on Vimeo. Um it, it is it is on Vimeo. Sorry, so we got like a little bit of weird lag, but there's a couple other things that I think like the shooting orb clip to me yes. is almost more compelling than the lunar wave. And what that is is way back in the day I was trying to film what are called chemtrails and tell people that's not normal. And almost no one would accept it. This was, you know, more than a decade ago, almost two decades mm -hmm. ago. But there used to be these little balls of light, which we called orbs. And it was almost commonplace back then. You could even see them with your eyes. Quite frequently, we'd be filming and we'd review the film and notice that we caught an orb that we couldn't see with our eyes. But one day, my wife ran in and said, there's orbs all over the place. Get the, get the telescope out. And I wish I would have. I was afraid by the time I got the scope out, I would miss. So I got my camera. And what I filmed is mind-boggling. An orb, a little ball of light, goes down into a chemtrail. The wind is blowing everything to the south. The chemtrail, the, the orb falls into the chemtrail or flies in and goes to the north. Flies against the wind and then zeroes in on something and shoots like two i don't even know how to describe it like two plasma bursts shoot something yeah and it's like what in what in the world how do you even wrap your mind around that 
I, I agree with you. It's it's I because I have seen something like that with my own two eyes also. And my my father caught a similar phenomenon on camera outside of uh, their house two years ago or something or something. It was it was at nighttime and it was like a pulsating just ball of light and it's very strange. But those things are to see it on camera that clearly and to see it like have some sort of projectile or or whatever it is. I don't know. It's just it's just it boggles the mind of what that could possibly be. Well, it shows that it's under intelligent control minimally. Yeah. Um, now, I, I claim yeah, that it's all human tech, but there's, there's no argument. I mean, that's not just something up there floating. It's flying and shooting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you about that. Cause in the film you, you talk about this and I wasn't clear how you arrived at this conclusion. Why do you why do you think that they are that they're a technology and b human technology? Well, it's simple, solid logic. Um, okay. It doesn't it doesn't make me right, but it is right. the same logic that I apply to everything because I don't want to believe in fantasy or fantastic things anymore. Mm-hmm. I spent a major portion of my life falling for nonsense. So use the use the peanut butter sandwich conundrum. So let mm-hmm. me let me do this. So you're hiking in the desert okay, and you're walking on sand so you could see footprints and you notice this structure and it looks old, looks like no one's been there in forever. There's no footprints that you can detect going into it. You walk into the building and there's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sitting on the counter. Who Mm -hmm. put it there? Most likely a human. Why? Because uh, we're the only known things that make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Now apply the same logic to everything I ever filmed. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. It's just, it's, if, if it's human technology, it is so, I don't, I I can't, I struggle to even think what it could be. Like, there's no, it'd have to be some secret tech. Well, consider, consider AI, right? So we know (laughs) we're on the, the cusp of an entirely different world. AI will be the biggest world-changing thing that's ever occurred. It's being rolled out slowly. The stuff that they give to the public is below diaper-wearing AI. I mean, it is such a low, low, low level of AI. Um, And as we know, with almost all tech, it's 50 or maybe even 75 years what's possible what mm. they can do, what they do have at their disposal. So consider having AI at a level that we probably can't really imagine helping you build things. You know, what would be the result of that? I remember the first time I saw the that black triangular stealth bomber in person. I was aware of it. I'd seen pictures of it. And then in an air show, I saw it for the first time. And I was like, holy crap. Um, you know, it's it's a whole different experience when when it's their biggest day and you begin to realize um, the real potential of where tech could actually be. I had a similar experience the first time I had, have you ever heard of aerogel? Yeah. That's the one where they hold it in their hand and they hit it with a blowtorch. Yeah. 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 I held some of that. I got to hold some of that one time and it was, it was like holding an alien artifact. It was so strange because it has, it has no perceptible weight. But yet it's solid, like it's so, and like it's 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 a wild thing to hold and to to fondle. So I I, I sympathize with that. Okay, so if we go with its human technology somehow in the air, and it's there as you point out in the film, it's probably there all the time. The only reason 
you could, but you can see it when it's backlit by the moon. It crosses in front of the moon. Um, it's probably there all the time, however, and you just are unable to see it unless it's backlit. Do you have any idea what it is for, what it's doing, or who's doing it, or who who created it? Well, I mean, we we'd just be guessing, but I yeah. think it's safe to say a lot of it's about surveillance and power and control. Uh, but consider this. <clears throat> And this is a weird thing. I won't uh, actually. I won't get into it. It used to be that we were told the moon was a degree wide. When I first started this way back in the '90s, and people tell me I'm insane. I I misremember, but the movie Apollo 13 backs me up. Um, mm -hmm. you used to take your thumb at arm's length to cover a full moon. Now you use your pinky. So we're told now, and it is now half a degree of sky. Actually, I've seen it smaller than half a degree. Um, if you consider that I filmed all those things in half, anything that was backlit by the moon when I filmed it, that's half a degree of sky. Um, it's all every day, all day long. There is more tech up there than most people would be willing to imagine. And I will tell anyone that wants to take a little bit of, like, if you set aside an hour a day, to just go out and film the sky, I guarantee you it'll be not very much time will pass before you start filming weird things. Of course, now the big difference is uh, that there's so many drones. Um, that's when I was shooting way back then, I'm sure there were drones, but I mean, now it's just, there's endless drones up there. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's what I love about your, your, um, general content and philosophy in general is that you don't put out a lot of things that people can't go and try for themselves. And if you go out and you actually observe the sky and record it, I agree with you hundred percent. You will, you will sooner than you think usually pick up something anomalous. You will, you will. And it's, it's even in the daytime, even yeah. in the daytime, as a matter of fact, you might get more interesting things, excuse me, in the daytime. Um, at nighttime, it's you see so much footage, and what most people end up getting is it's a light, you know. So, what does right. that actually tell you? Um, but in the daytime, there are so many intriguing things that can be filmed. And whenever you see uh, the planes leaving the white trails in the sky, which I say to this day has a few purposes, one of which is weather manipulation. If you film those planes and down the trail, scan down the trails, you'll pick up some strange things. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. So these, these things that pass in front of the, the moon that you said, my first, my first instinct was like, oh, satellites, those are satellites, but a satellites are, if they are what they say they are, would be highly reflective and they, they're bright, not dark. And then two, satellites don't exist, but that's yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but I was trying to, you know, go through a, go through like a prosaic normie explanation for what could be occurring. And then two, if they were satellites, they would have to be enormous for these right. things because what you picked up is like sizable. It's not like a speck. Well, I can I can address this. Okay. So early on when I was doing this, I thought what everyone thinks, these are satellites. And mm -hmm. I even got satellite tracking software so that I could have an idea of when one's going to come. So then I started saying, well, I want um, satellite transiting the moon so i got the satellite tracking software and every time that it was supposed to be there nothing occasionally within a few minutes something would transit the moon and i'd say okay well that's just the satellite late and then i started thinking about that wait a minute 
if something's on a trajectory and it's even one degree off over time, it would be untrackable. So I started looking into the softwares. Lo and behold, they tell you flat out that these are not, you can't depend on these at any level. It's just not what you think. So I'm going about my business filming and places like the Huffington Post keep stealing my clips off YouTube and getting away with it because they call themselves news. And they grab one of a particularly interesting object transiting the moon. And they get, get this, they get the head of MUFON <laughs> and they get an F, an FBI expert. I don't know what an FBI expert knows about filming the sky with a telescope. Right. And they say in the article, this crow fellow just doesn't seem to understand his equipment or what he's filming. This is clearly a satellite in half geosynchronous orbit. And yeah, I'd and that enough. drives me crazy because it would, that satellite would have to be like a quarter to a half mile long to be well, that Well, here's big. the thing. Half geosync would be <laughs> 11,000 miles away from me. Geosync would be roughly yeah. 22. So I'd had it up to my eyeballs because I'd had <laughs> years under my belt. So I go out and at the time with one of the biggest scope shops, which is now closed, thanks to COVID, one of the big changes mm-hmm. in the world, there's not really too many telescope shops, but one of the best... In this country was in San Diego within driving distance. They had this young man there that was a freaking genius with optics and math. And Mm -hmm. he took my systems and calculated them. And I said, can we get to the value of a single pixel at a distance from my scope? He said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we looked up the chip. He even did calculations for video and stills because the resolution is different. He did it exactly to my telescope, which incidentally they had sold me. Um, But when we were all said and done, if the Huffington Post was right and I had filmed a satellite at 11,000 miles away, then it would have had to be something like 700 feet long. Yeah. And and it proved it right there mathematically. So I wrote the Huffington Post and said, look, here's my rebuttal. And he wouldn't run it. Ironically, uh, I got on YouTube and I told quite a large following email this dude until he does and within a day he'd gotten enough emails and he ran it to this day you can look up that huffington post article and at the very bottom hidden is a little link to my rebuttal that shows all the math and proves outright that everything that i filmed uh to a 90 something percent certainty i would estimate uh is much closer in our atmosphere and most likely uh, human tech. Do you have any estimates for about how high up it is? Because presumably it's higher up than commercial airplanes fly. Well, this um, is, yeah, I, I would say that's probably true, but this, again, we're back to a guessing game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sure, I could I could make guesses, but uh, here's another thing. Where does space start? Go ahead and try mm. to look up where space starts. You know, mm. you get, oh, it's the Kármán line. Oh, it's 61 kilometers. Oh, no, it's 200 no it's a hunt you know you get all there's no line uh where space starts and when you begin to look at the story of the international space station it's just more of the same if sat when i first started doing this and i was so believing that everything i was filming was satellites at that time if you did a google lookup they told you there was between 20 and 30 thousand satellites which included a bunch of broken ones which they weren't sure how many i remember this there used to be graphs of like these 
thousands endless. and thousands of little endless. objects around. The, yeah, right. Endless. If and then over time, they played the Animal Farm game and started changing what was written on the barn wall because us stupid goats and sheep won't remember. Now, if you look up, or the last time I looked up how many satellites, it was something like twelve hundred. And mm-hmm. then they go on to say in some of the accounts that, oh, these are little one one foot by one foot cubes. You can't see them. And there's just all. And so logic will get you there. Well, if there was thousands of amazing satellites in space, why hasn't an ISS astronaut poked his iPhone out the window? There is no video known that, of a satellite in space doing their amazing work. And that used to be my law of high definition, which I've had to. My law of high definition doesn't hold up now until I modify it because of AI. But the old law back at that time said, if something truly exists and can be filmed in high definition, then it will be filmed in high definition. Yeah. Um, The problem with that now is AI can make video that's so convincing that video and images are no longer evidence of anything unless you know and trust the source. Yeah, and I have a I have an experience when I was uh, in college, we we won this thing to create a CubeSat, like a little cube, a small, I don't yep. know, maybe one foot by one foot satellite, and we were supposed to go on a rocket with NASA and go up and be ejected. It was going to be cool and everything. And wouldn't you know it? After years of working on it, several generations of students had come and gone. It was like a it was like a nine year project. Uh, last minute, oh, we can't do it. Funding, do do do. It just never, it just never went. You know, like it was all pretend. It's a shell game. It it's a shell. It is a shell, a shell game. game. It's always yeah. They're just moving it down the thing. Oh, you're someone else's. It's. I'll, and you I'll never make actually a, get to the person that actually went. I'll make a bold statement. Um, satellites do not exist as described. No human being, from my point of view, has ever been outside of our atmosphere with his tennis shoes, at least with matter. Um, we're tuned to this place as far as I can tell. Now, when you're in meditation, if you're a spiritual master, maybe then they go out. I've read tons of accounts where people claim they can go into the astral plane and other things. I don't know, but I imagine that might be possible because I do dream and I am told by spiritual masters who have written books or others have that when you dream, uh, you are leaving this little mm. piece of reality that we call our world. Um, mm. But from my point of view, there's a hard, fast boundary that people call the firmament. Uh, the flat earth community likes to call it the dome. All these places have different words for it. And I accept it. There is mm-hmm. a firmament and we don't go through it. Um, at least not with our tennis shoes is the joke I make, not with matter, not with 3d right. matter that is tuned to our little place here. Yeah. And you know, in, in, if you, I don't know, I know you're familiar with astrology. I don't know if you've uh, noticed this before, but a lot of times in medieval astrology, the moon was considered the boundary between the eternal realm and the, the realm of change where we're stuck inside time because it's like a halfway point. Like the sun doesn't go through phases. The moon is both eternal, but also subject to time in a way. So it's like the, it's like the halfway intermediary. And I find Most it sort of are, fascinating. Yeah. That, Most people that, are not aware Venus phases like the moon, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Just not as clearly because it's not as big, but yes. Um, So you said earlier, you referred to the lunar wave as maybe a firmament wave. Yeah, maybe. What is, what does that mean? 
if you if you're comfortable well saying. the the i mean who who do you listen to um, right the, the bible will tell you that it separates the waters from the waters and i think it was 2016 when i announced that i think a better description for space would be that it's water and mm. those clips are still up too the way i got there was my telescopes my cameras couldn't take me any further to prove if space would be better described as water. So I started thinking for a long time. And then one day I realized um, mind precedes all reality. And that's a big part of what news does, right? It makes mm -hmm. us all hopeless and gets us to believe in terrible things. But I reasoned that if some big announcement or a speech or a video clip that major portion of the world would see that described space as water, then I would make the announcement. And I did. And the speech that I chose was given by John F. Kennedy, I think more than once. I think maybe the version I used was Rice College. I don't really mm -hmm, remember. Mm -hmm. But it, it opens up telling you the game. On this new ocean, we set sail. You know, it's and right. he's talking about space and everything. And then when you go look at all the names of the supposed spaceships and you know, they're named after ships that were on our ocean. It's mm -hmm. all nautical language. Well, for that matter, so is banking. Banking is all nautical language. But I think that it's quite possible that space would be better described as water. And for those people that study the Bible, they'll say, yeah, tell me something I didn't know. You know, it says in the Bible that the firmament separates waters from waters. Yeah, and I found... I. It's wild to me how much Christianity has decided to just ignore all of that and just pretend it's not there. I, I, I it's the I've I've harped on this on the show many times, but I don't think you can you can really claim to have the religion when you reject its cosmology just wholesale and replace it with something else. Like it's sort of foundational, but everyone just throws it out, and you know we live in an infinite void that goes on forever and thinks that the two will mesh and then they wonder why people don't believe their religion anymore. I don't know. It's just a bit. I, I think that's one of the big turning points we've come to. Uh, we're at the cusp. Consciousness is rising. The powers that be are doing all they can to try to cap that off, um, including introducing poisons into the medical system mm -hmm. um, in, in broad daylight. But, you know, we are at that point where I think we will begin to learn things like the sun is not 93 million miles away. You know, that's the other big thing. Yeah. Um, the sun is, is much, much closer than you think. And it's not nearly the size you think it is. Um, and apparently there were older cultures who would tell you that it's really not that far away from us. But here's the thing. The sun is an infinite light source. And what got me going on this is I remember being taught this. And plus, I was a roadie for a period of time. So stage lighting, I learned about spotlights and things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The thing about the difference between if I use an example is like a spotlight. If you move a spotlight, the person that's casting its shadow, that shadow will change size if you get closer or further or higher or lower. But with an infinite light source the shadow stays the same size. Now, think of all the times a plane has left a shadow on the ground. You can see, right? It's mm -hmm. the, the, the shadow is the size of the object. That's the, the sun. Well, when we did the full solar eclipse 
in 2017, I think it might have been August of 2017, I'd been filming them for years, every eclipse or transit of any kind I could film. On that one, they told us that the shadow left on the Earth from the eclipse was, I think they said, 72 miles, something like that. Right. And I said, what is provably true? Well, whatever eclipsed the sun was 72 miles wide. That's a fact. If, That's if a it's good point. true, if it's true that it was 70, I, like I can't measure the shadow, but if they told us the correct size of the shadow, whatever that size was, that's the size of the object. And the second thing I said is the moon is not eclipsing the sun. And that is a fact. You can, that's a very interesting, it. interesting point because like, um, you can see this with cameras and optics. Like if you have a, if you have a parallel hole collimator, uh, on your, on your, on your, uh, image receptor, then you get the same effect because you've you've canceled out any angular rays of photons, any angular rays of light. And so it doesn't matter how far away the object you're imaging is, it will remain the same size on the camera because there's no diverging uh, rays or converging rays to minimize or, or, or maximize it. And the same would be true if the light source is far enough away to have basically parallel rays of light coming in it would have to be the shadow would have to be the same size as the object it's a fact yeah and by, I mean, by the way go go to a search engine and try to look up a page that will tell you that the sun is an infinite light source it's almost impossible now it's almost like uh with a you know ai is going to be openly running the net by 2025 it kind of already is but yeah the point is, it already is the information that we get from search engines now is crap but here's the thing. When I set out to challenge solar eclipses, I set out to do one single simple thing. Film the moon. Prove mm -hmm. that the moon is there as it approaches the sun, as it supposedly covers the sun, as it exits. At no time, no time can you image the moon. Here's the problem. We're told that the brightest thing we know in the entire universe, our sun, is 93 million miles away. We are told that a thing called the moon, which is just dirt and rocks, is basically a quarter of a million miles away. It's a little more by, mm -hmm. by what they tell us. So if I've got something a quarter of a million miles away from me backlit by the brightest thing we know, shouldn't I be able to detect it? Yeah, I tried everything. Should. I tried full spectrum cameras. I tried solar telescopes. I tried two regular telescopes. I tried telephoto lenses, any number of filters I had. I tried light obliteration techniques. I did it all. At no time can the moon be imaged. Well, NASA has one of their explanations that they love to hand us. And they said, well, it's these special eclipses. I forget what it's called. Well, poppycock, show me. Show mm -hmm. me the evidence. Um, and then also, uh, when you show me that evidence, I will go out and I will corroborate or someone will. To, and it's not true. And so, ironically, a very old culture in India told us the truth a millennia or more ago. It's these things called nodes, called Ketu and Rahu, that are causing the eclipse. Um, you can go into Stellarium or any of these things and look up the nodes. And it's like an imaginary point in space where two, like the ecliptic and an equator cross. It's like an imaginary point in space, but it's not. It's causing an eclipse. And here's the other thing. 
I've been sun gazing for years. So when I've been keeping up on it, I can pretty much look into the sun at midday, not all the time, Mm. but most of the time during the eclipse, when it was like nearly half covered, I stared into the sun and probably shouldn't have done it. It was chaotic at a level that I can't describe. It was like photons of light just ricocheting and whizzing in every direction. And then later, as I looked at how cultures thought of eclipses, it's pretty much a negative event, which I don't know why I couldn't put that together. The light's being blocked. But Mm -hmm. many cultures go inside, sit down, be quiet, um, don't eat, don't drink. Some of them don't go out. You know, they, they... hold it at arm's length with respect. Um, but I stared straight into it and it was, I, I mean, to make the pun, it was eye-opening. It was mm. complete chaos, what I saw. Isn't it funny how they tell you, they warn you so much, don't look at the sun, don't look at the sun. But but really, you, I mean, you, you probably shouldn't just stare at it point blank for 10 minutes, but you can look at the sun and nothing, like they, they made, as a child, they made me think like, if you look at the sun accidentally, you'll go blind. You know, it's like, well, we, this... we better, we, we better be responsible here. Don't go out and look yeah. at the sun. The thing I always say is, would you hand a baby a jalapeno? You wouldn't right. do that. Yeah, right. Yeah. But with the sun, you can go blind. You could damage your eyes. You can, and I can stare into the sun for 10 minutes. Um, matter of fact, wow. a, a friend of mine, David Weiss, Rant when he had first heard me doing it, he started doing it. He rolled it up to 45 minutes. There's a method where you roll it up to 45 minutes and then you go back down, shaving off a minute or adding a minute. I forget how it goes. But there are people in this world, um, and I've always wondered if I got stuck in the desert or something with no food, could I use the sun to live long enough to survive? And I think maybe I could. Never want to test it, <laughs> but it it truly energizes you in a way that's really not describable um if you take off your shoes and ground as you're doing it on the beach is maybe a really good place to do it but the other thing is is i have astigmatism when mm-hmm. i was sun gazing regularly it was correcting my stigmatism and lo and behold my friend david he told me same thing happened to him him his eyesight got sharper um but again you know everyone is not the same Um, I'm sure people have friends that are not able to go out in the sun, you know, like I've had friends mostly with red hair from that kind of a lineage in our world where they really cannot go out into the direct sun Uh, where me, I can, you know, I'm, I'm half Greek. I can go out in the sun all day. So I'm just saying one size does not fit all. And so if you're going to do this, you need to responsibly learn about it. And when you first start, uh, you do it only at sunrise or sundown when the sun is very low and the UV is down and you only do it for a couple seconds. And then each day you add a little bit more, but you need to learn how to do it. And I'm telling you flat out, be responsible. Those are your eyes. You probably don't want to damage or lose them. Yeah, my wife is one of those people. She's like a vampire. If she goes outside at noon, she like dies. Uh, but I can, I, I've always been able to like look up at the sun for like, you know, not a long time, but just like, hey, look, hey, sun, and go on and it never bothered me. Um, and so there is a big range, but I've never engaged in like purposeful sun gazing for like trying to build up time. I probably should try that just, just as an experiment to see 
Because I amazing. do need more energy. <laughs> if it gives me more energy, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. There are people. I don't know if the clips are still on YouTube. Uh, there was one man, and he might have even started the resurgence in sun gazing. Said he'd never eaten or drinking in, I don't know what it was, 60, 70 years, and no one believed him. And so they put him in a clinical environment in a room, and they monitored him for a month or more, and they realized he's telling the truth. And when they asked him how he did it, he said part of how he does it is he gets his energy from the sun and from breathing. Now, he mm -hmm. people have heard of breatharians that just live on breathing. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't totally that, and he attributed part of his ability to energy from the sun yeah i've seen that guy i didn't they don't they write him off like because it was like an indian uh research facility in india and they're like well yeah, you know indians of course. can't do science of course <laughs> right well that's a shame they're, they're selectively it's, it's racist the indians, they need to be yeah well it's the indians who told us the truth about solar eclipses and we're all mm -hmm. still listening to nasa's lies and all nasa does is lie the only reason for nasa is to lie to us and every space agency in this world is in or controlled by the same club um they're here to ensure that you know next to nothing about what's above your head when you look up and they've yeah, done and a fantastic a, job that's a very uncomfortable thread to pull on i think that's why so many people shy away from it because if this is all true if someone gets down that road then you start thinking well that means all these countries that are allegedly competing, like Russia and China and the USA, ding, ding, are, ding, actually, ding, ding. are actually cooperating. <laughs> and then that means winner, some... winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. And so then you get it gets very unsettling for people very quickly. Their whole when world countries are a to come down. Yeah. Countries and borders are a control construct for us, the, right. the citizenry, uh, the people above controlling that. They don't need passports or, you know, they don't care. They just right. use them as pawns on a chessboard. And, you know, we know what's going on in the world. And this is part of the 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 news madness that gets us to believe in all kinds of things we shouldn't believe in. Um, you know, that's them. They're different. And we need to fight them. And they're threatening us. And this mm -hmm. us and them divide and conquer technique that works so beautifully. The race card, which works so beautifully. Um, that's what the news does. And until we grow up and realize, guess what? People in China, people in the Middle East, you know what? They have children just like we do. You know what? They want a better life for their children. If you hurt them, they bleed just like we do. They don't want to be tortured or put in terrible positions. You know what? Just like me, we're all experiencing a similar thing here and we're all human beings. And a big part of this bid to take over the world is convincing us uh, of the divisive nature of what they want us to accept, that those people are our enemies. And if you really want to look at it, you know, I was in the court during the first war, and I look back, I was kind of ashamed. We trashed that freaking place. And, mm -hmm. you know, anyone I ever met from that country was kind to me. I could have easily called them friends. Where was the beef? Well, if there was a beef, it was at the governmental level. Nothing to mm -hmm. do with all the people that marched in their handed guns. Those people, if they met, many of them would end up being friends. Um, and this is the sad nature of our world right now, that people refuse 
to quit falling for the race card, the gender card, and the division card. Um, and that's one of the main tools being used right now uh, by the controllers that want they want the whole enchilada. They're going for the whole thing right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've begun to, I don't know if you agree with this, but I've begun to see it as like, um, it's like an offering of a different identity. Like you're, you're an American, you're a Chinese person, you're gay, you're black or whatever. Here's your identity. And it comes with prepackaged friend and foe and things you're supposed to believe. And these identities are to supplant. And I think people go to them because the real identity of people if they want to accept it is, is something like a child of God. And that's very scary and seems like too much for us. So we are willing to accept these lesser identities because it has less of a responsibility and burden. I don't know if you res resonate with that at all, but that's sort of been like where I've. That's what citizenship of... is about. Citizenship yeah. is about trading your God given rights for benefits. Basically. Yeah. Um, I social security when i get old well the flip side of that is is i'll take care of myself and so we've slowly been socialized into wanting or requiring or relying on things like that when in fact what we've done is we've traded god-given um what what else do you benefit right right benefits and most people will hear just say but it's it's a fact when you are right. born and you are given the divine spark of life. You are granted free will, which you can prove. Go walk out your door. Turn any direction you want. You have free will. The last one that gets forgotten and the divisive nature of media and other things helps you to forget this is you are made this realm. And you can prove that too. When I go outside and I look up, is there a coin slot for me to get sunlight, which is the thing that makes all life here possible? When I am out in the woods and I am starving and I find an apple tree, is there a coin slot? No, it's because I was made beneficiary. Now, when I accept all these offers, like becoming a citizen, that all begins to change. Um, now I need a license if I want to go hunt for food. Now I need, you know, and, and on and on it goes. And we are so inured into this system. Most of us have Stockholm Syndrome. We will defend. The very jail that we are in, um, because we've—it's all we've ever known. Yeah. We can't imagine anything, you know, other than that. And the, the where that's really going to start to get challenged, and the people who are waking up the quickest are the people that get labeled crazy, conspiratorial, whatever label right. gets put on them. But those are the people leading the way to what is possible. Yeah, it's like it's in the very definitions. Like in um in Adam Smith, the the capitalism guy, he said he made something like, uh, he is not a citizen who is not disposed to respect the laws and obey the civil magistrate. It's like citizenship comes as is actually like a form of slavery. Like you you accept this, you get rights, you get benefits and privileges. And it's exactly a form of yeah. slavery. It yeah. is giving away complete freedom, known as your God given rights. But you see, most people have been so convinced by the news that you know what we, we've got to have these things it would be complete chaos without these things we'd be killing each other without these things um you know and to some it's degree exactly the opposite well you can't yeah. completely dismiss that argument because right. some people believe it shows them as true how like if you 
right now and look up every major movie in the world, look at the number of them that are violent, that mm-hmm. are hateful, that are divisive, that are pushing race or gender, or it's like the majority of them. And it's gotten yeah. worse and worse over time. And the problem with that is, is human beings, one of the prime primary ways we learn is by example. And we don't mm-hmm. ever put together that watching a movie is an example. It is. Yeah. It's, yep. And inter- actually is, is well demonstrated by the word itself. Enter, to go in. in to hold. Meant is always mind. So to go in and hold your mind. And people argue with these things because when they go to Wikipedia or somewhere else for their definitions, and this is the problem. In 20 years, if something doesn't change and the internet continues on its very journey, um, we are going to be a know-nothing world. And at some point, books will probably become outlawed because there are books that hold helpful information. The other day, this Sunday... I'm running a classic flashback episode on Crow Triple Seven Radio, where ironically, I had been pulled into the cathedrals, which I'd thought about all my life, but I got an urge to go back. And so I started reading Mysteries of the Cathedrals and all my cathedral books again. And I put together an episode, which I released in March. And one month later, and in uh, by the way, in that episode, I was saying they're erasing the symbols and the markers to a higher spiritual reality that was built into these majestic cathedrals. And one month later, the uh, Notre Dame burned. Mm. And so I'm I'm rerunning that now. But when you look at the state of where we are right now, It's a skit after a skit after a play. All the world is a stage, and it is at fever pitch because desperately they are trying to prevent the leaders of humanities whose they're waking up, their consciousness is lifting. Children are being born with astonishing abilities that their parents never could have had. And, you know, now you begin to realize why would anyone put these shots out? I know tons of people who have died and they attribute it their families attribute it to that strokes all these things and they all attribute it well who's right is the media telling me the truth or should i believe at this point many 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 families who are drawing the line straight across well i've done the research so i actually know what the truth of it is but how could that be in open daylight and supported by systems that are there to help us when we're sick. It's a desperate bid to get control of this breaking new era. We have the front row seats to the most gigantic shift in, you know, humanity that maybe has ever been on record. I don't know, but I do know that it is massive and we are all part of it right now. Yeah, it's like a great shifting mechanism. You fall on one side and you like see it all happening and you you can use that to eject yourself from it or you just fall into it harder and harder and you never get out. It's 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 a little scary really to watch it happen to people. It's been a little challenging for me personally. I don't I I don't um, you know, I, at this point I've kind of when I the big you know, what happens when we die? 
-hmm. Most people wrestle with it. Again, places like India offered an answer thousands of years ago. Not just India, many places. But Mm -hmm. they're brown or they're not scientific. So we probably just should ignore whatever they say. Well, I don't. I go for the old books. I go for the spiritual masters. I want to at least hear what they have to say. And then I want to know if other people around the world have said similar things, um, cultures that are unconnected. And so I came to the realization for myself, because everyone has to get there on their own dime, that I don't just turn into nothingness when I die. I accept that I go on. Now, Mm -hmm. that's a choice. Everyone else has to do their own work and come to whatever conclusion. So if that is true, the amount of time that I've spent in this lifetime is an infinitesimal drop in the bucket. And that's how I choose to look at it now. And in that, I have refashioned how I try, you know, I, I try to be kind to everybody. I try to help everybody. I try my hardest not to judge people. I do things like I imagine in my mind the person which I like least in the world, and I practice by imagining myself going up and hugging them. Sincerely, Mm. I try my best to break this spell of division, and that's what I'm going to do while I'm here. I'm going to do what I can with compassion to all living things. That will be Mm -hmm. my goal while I'm here, and I guess I'll find out if I'm going to go on. When I die, I guess I'll find out whether what I accept to be true is correct. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... Everything you've said is a great example of how I think some of the listeners on our show have been have been a bit confused of how like um, looking at the sky can lead you into things like sovereign citizen movements and explorations of the law and stuff. It's like it's very, if you look at the sky, you see that things are not as you've been told and then everything else starts to fall down. <laughs> it's just this one thread and that one thread just people don't shape your whole world. Yeah, People don't realize that the creation, everything you see or can see as part of the creation. Yeah. And what did I state earlier? If you choose to consider what I stated earlier, you're a beneficiary of this creation. And so part of what's happened, you've been robbed of knowledge of what you are beneficiary of. You've been mm-hmm. told to believe that this world is a certain shape. You've been told to believe that men have walked on the moon. You've been made to believe that they've sent rockets all the way out beyond the solar system. They've tried to make you believe that they have pictures of the North Pole of Saturn showing things. They have done all these things. And when you get up to speed, you will realize that the people saying these things cannot be trusted. You will further begin to realize that it is their mission to lie. And those are blunt words, but I'm not here for that long. I'm not going to mince my words. I don't mean malice to anyone, but human beings deserve the truth. That's the way I look at it. If we did know certainly the shape of our world, the size of our world, if we certainly knew, is there a firmament? What is beyond that would change things at a level that I can't imagine. I imagine it would bring us all much closer together. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it like the, the the space stuff is so cr- like they used to be like, oh, you know, every pound that, that goes up into space is like a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And then you're supposed to just be like, oh, yeah, he said Elon set up his Tesla. 
Yeah, and, and that other guy's got a keyboard up there, right? Yeah, but the, yeah. the, the classic is is the car, the one you mentioned. That is yeah. the classic. And what's so funny about it is when they did that, I said to Jason, and I'm not a betting man, so it was a joke. I said, Jason, I'll bet you 10 bucks that there's a shot that matches the opening animation in the, the animation from the 80s called Heavy Metal. And sure as God made little green apples, I made the video showing that one of the shots with the little convertible car with the spaceman dummy in it, yeah. <laughs> spaceman dummy should tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Spaceman um, dummy. Yeah. yeah it's an exact yeah. match. So if you go back and look at the old rock and roll animation called heavy metal from the eighties, the opening scene where I think it's maybe it's a Corvette that goes uh -huh. through space. <laughs> it's a one-to-one -one match. The fun and games never ends. Yeah. They just, they just, uh, it's it's so negative it's 400 in the shade you know positive 500 fahrenheit in the sun you know yeah. but the, the tires and the paint are okay they're good they're all yeah it's it's so it's all ridiculous it would be so hot that it would start what about start, the air yeah what about the air and the tire you know the, aren't you in a vacuum in space well i guess they're walking back, <laughs> yeah, back the as a matter of fact they're now informing us that the moon is within the earth's atmosphere that's yeah. that's one that's been because they they're getting caught up in their lie at some point they know that we're not buying a quarter of a million miles. Can I really see details on something a quarter of a million miles away from me? Really? Yeah, I know. It's, it's that so, what human beings do. <laughs> it's so yeah. The tires should explode, and the and the the paint should peel off, and the guy and the thing should. It's so hot and empty. It's so none of it works. But people just like yeah, I guess so. Well, doesn't that fall back in and burn up? You know, is it okay yeah, to drop a sports car in someone's neighborhood? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A flaming, it's a, I, I, a flaming sports car. <laughs> it's amazing how the how the sky is filled with rocks, and they never you never see them. They never land in your lawn. They never just land <laughs> in the city square. But yet they're all the time just falling through, making these shooting stars. It's just it's really amazing. That yeah. What what did Lennon say? Strange days indeed, most peculiar, Mama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you back uh, for the beginning. You mentioned that what they tell us is the equinoxes are not. Uh, what do you mean by that? I mean, well, they lie about. Yeah, this is another thing it, within this creation, as I like to call it. This is a very special place which we should take care of above all other things because it provides and has always provided everything we have ever needed. It can't be stressed enough. And all through the history of the world, the divisions of what the Bible calls the acceptable year of the Lord, there's a reason why those words are put together. The acceptable mm. year of the Lord is divided up by seasons. We call them winter, summer, spring, fall. But in reality, there is a summer solstice in and around June 21st. There is a winter solstice in and around December 21st. And then there are two equinoxes. And this is the true division of a year. And there is no major culture that has ever existed that did not celebrate, recognize, and make a big deal of these times of years to include every building they ever built being aligned to these things. Mm. So yeah. are the, the balances in this existence for us right now. 
equal day and night. It is balance, true balance. Night is not longer than day. Day is not longer than night. It is balanced on these days. And what they do to pull us out of the cycles of this creation, which we should be a part of and tuned to, is first they make up artificial clocks so that our cell phone tells us it's noon when it's not noon. The only real noon is when the sun is at apex. But they lie to us about the equinox. On the year that I filmed the first lunar wave, that was the true equal day and night day. They told us it was four or five days away. Well, why would they do that? Well, for the same reason that right at the equinoxes, they changed the clocks by an hour. Mm -hmm. Have you ever noticed how discombobulated you feel for maybe a month after they shift the clocks? Well, what they're doing there is breaking your, you're getting in sync with the cycles of this creation. And then they break it mm -hmm. with artificial mechanisms um, to keep you lost in time, you know, instead of being tuned. And we're the only ones that fall for it. The squirrels don't fall for it. Our dogs right. don't fall for it. But we fall for it every time. Yeah, the 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 control of time is is so fundamental. We did a show maybe a year or two ago uh, about a book called Seize the Daylight. It's about the history of daylight savings time. And the amount of work that went into separating culture from keeping time by the sun is crazy. incredible. It's crazy. <laughs> They put so much effort into right. that. Right. You know, this thing you know is true. Ignore it. Now believe in this BS we're going to show you. Right. How long does it take for that to catch on? Yeah. It's, 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 and, and with, with the dividing the world up into these artificial time zones where then like some go daylight savings time, some don't. Sometimes yeah. you do. Half the state does. Half the state. It just, it messes. There's no connection to the actual rhythms of life anymore. Well, the robber barons and the train systems had a major hand in doing the time zones so that yeah. there could be two men a thousand miles apart or nearly 800 miles apart in a time zone that both think it's 6 a.m. or when the sun rises. Well, I got news mm -hmm. for you. You know, sunrise in San Diego is not sunrise in Oklahoma City or New York City. There's a difference there because of the reality. But I'll tell you how bad it's gotten and for how long it's been bad the other two times of year that we didn't mention are the solstices mm -hmm. so basically what that means is it marks the highest extent of the sun and the lowest extent of the sun for a year so mm -hmm. in summer on june 21st it goes to the highest extent at winter where we call it christmas which is actually the winter solstice where the sun gets to its low point holds still for three days, and then magically begins to rise again. Um, these are reflected in maps, which people don't realize because we've forgotten. You ever heard of a Tropic of Capricorn and a oh, Tropic yeah. of Cancer? Well, yeah, that's yeah. what it's marking. The Tropic of Cancer, which is the north side of the equator, is marking the highest extent at the summer solstice. But here's mm. the problem. The summer solstice hasn't happened in the sign of cancer for something like 2,000 years. So every map in this world is purposefully leading you astray. Currently, as far as I can tell, it should be the Tropic of Gemini, and then the low point should be the Tropic of Sagittarius. That's how bad it is. Fascinating. Just com complete 
shuffling of reality, the mainstreaming of nonsense. Yeah. Uh, people don't even think about it, but the tropic, the Capricorn and the Cancer, those are, are, are they're, they're zodiac signs and they're meant to correlate with the, with the zodiac as it turns. They, and they just they used to mean separated. things. Yeah. yeah. They used to mean things to people before astrology was turned into a joke in your Sunday paper. Um, yeah. These used to be important things because the sky clock, as I call it, is the only clock that has ever been and will ever be. If you want truth, you can get plenty right. of clocks that'll work for you. But if you're interested in truth, the sky clock is the only place you can get it. Yeah. Do you think there's any validity at all in, in modern sort of pop astrology you see like on TikTok or what, or that women do, or is, do we need to go back further to older sources to get anything real? There's, you know, th this is the catch 22 because people become so upset and I don't want to discourage anyone, anyone who's doing any kind of what we call astrology good on you keep at it work at it learn things i mm -hmm. don't want to badmouth them but here's the problem um do we really divide the constellations by 30 degrees when we can clearly see that the constellations are not equal i mm -hmm. can show you that libra the sign of the supposed equinox or it used to be back in the day that was a later edition the two mm -hmm. main, the two brightest stars in in Libra, the scales are Zubinel Shanubi and Zubinel Shamali. That means the northern and southern claw of the scorpion, which is the next sign. So it's perfectly clear that the scales were added in. Um, and right. I'm not saying that that's a problem. I suspect it was added in to reflect the realities of our time. But everything has been, look, if I can show you every map in the world is misleading you, why would you think that the same thing wasn't done to astrology and sky boundary? You know, there's, there's an international society that okays the uh, constellations. I think there's mm -hmm. 88 of them or something. More than half of them are made up nonsense and have no connection to antiquity. Yeah. Very most, recently made up. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them in the Southern hemisphere, but some not, but that's, the point I'm making is there has been a whole scale effort to shuffle your knowledge of the sky clock and of this world. I'm here to tell you that I fully accept there are land masses, probably continents that you know nothing about, nor do you mm. know the size of anything, nor do you even for sure know what the shape of the continent you're standing on is. And if you don't believe me, go online and grab five projections a Gall Peters, a Mercator, a Peters projection. Just there's tons of map projections. And look at North America, and you will notice one thing instantly that the shape doesn't match on any of them, which tells you instantly that none of them are correct. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have the information to tell you which is correct, logic dictates that none are correct. Otherwise, you're just guessing and accepting things. And, yeah, how, and as you pointed out, then we it, now that we had like in the past, you could say, oh, well, that's the best we can do because we have to take a globe and flatten it out and everything. But now we have like, uh, we've been yeah, to space, right? 3D yeah, images. Right. The, like, you should be able to do it perfectly. The first time we ever fake went to space and took a picture of our world, then every map in the world should have correctly shown the shape of a continent. And it wouldn't have mattered because when you get down into the map to show streets or countries or towns, well, then you, you don't see the shapes of continents. Mm -hmm. It's a different game. Then it's, you know, it is what it is, but it's, it's all a lie. It's all designed to blow your mind. Mm -hmm. We live in a fantastic world 
and we are taught to believe in fantastic things. And this age that is currently emerging around us is the showdown at noon. High noon is coming quick. The showdown is here. And these mm. things are going to get challenged. And there's going to be a bid to reduce populations. It's already happened. Um, the train wrecks already occurred. We're just waiting. Yeah, they, for the they've already count. succeeded in that absent a, a sudden desire to have a lot of babies by the younger generation. Right. Um, it's they've crazy. Already, the, the body the, count's going to come sooner or later. But, yeah, the depopulation is in the cards unless people decide all of a sudden to have a lot of babies now. The research that Jason and I have done, I would stake my claim that the population's been falling since minimally the 1970s, which is mm. the exact opposite of what we've been told. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the population is definitely a lot lower than is publicly said. I don't believe for a second there's a billion people in China, for example. Or um, I, I don't know. I could guess, but the research that I did um, demonstrated that things like the women's lib movement had a particular goal and it succeeded one yeah. of the side effects of the women's lib movement was to get women to act more like men so that they could get paid like men but one of the planned side effects was that they would quit having babies on average at 22 or 24 and start doing that at 32 or 34 and mm -hmm. that one thing alone had a massive effect and there are so that's, many that's other things need. They, they know now uh, these yeah. jabs, they, they're, they're openly admitting, you know, we said early on that the jabs were affecting fertility. And so what did they do? They, they we people ran pieces on this. And then in the news, it popped up. Well, people are saying it has fertility. Well, no, we tested a thousand women. Well, that was not what we said. We said it was right. the fertility in men, not women. Right. Um, but now they're openly kind of openly admitting that the jab has caused fertility issues among the, what do they call it? Surplus death. They're now starting mm -hmm. to admit to. Yeah. In, in the UK, particularly that's been a, a heavily talked about is the surplus deaths are continuing. It's a lot easier to control the world if there's fewer people in it. Oh yeah. And like you said, all you need, if you push the, the average age of the first child born back a decade, then you've erased probably one to two extra children they would have had, that couple would have had, on average, like 1.5 kids per couple gone. And that's all you need. Then you've, then you've effectively half the population in, the, in a couple generations. It's pretty well, amazing, hey, my, really. hey, my friend, I've got about five more minutes um, okay. before I've got to get on. Uh, is there anything else sure. you'd like to, to address? Um. I don't think so in particular, except, uh, oh, I was going to ask you, you, sometimes on your show, you've had, uh, you've had fortune on. Yep. Um, and I, he's just a confusing figure to me. It could fortune to St. Germain. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Is he, <laughs> I look, I just a confused. He's not, he, he's he, not, he's not the fortunes. He's not the mystical saint. Okay. That you've read about. <laughs> so I was like, he's, what is he supposed to be? He's okay. the. He's the, you know how in families in Europe like that, the oldest male is the head of the family? Yes. Well, he's the oldest living male of that line, which is okay. pretty much diminished. He's okay. not, he was not alive, however many hundred, he was not alive in the 1700s, like okay. St. Germain that we read about in legend. Yeah, I was that, like, what is going that on? That is not my friend Fortune. Um, okay, okay. He's a man. He's not. Right. 
yeah, a saint, a legend. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you uh, so much for coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I can, I can send you this recording if you, if you want it, but, uh, yeah, yeah just it link, was, it was link me when it comes up and make sure you, you tag Rose on the email. Um, thanks so much for having me on. Oh yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, have a good day, sir. Hey, thank you so much. And, right, uh, but... I want to wish you a happy, healthy, and higher minded new era. Cheers. Okay. You to you as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I heard about this baby boy who's come to to bring us joy and I just want to sing this song to you. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, with every breath I'm singing hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. A couple came to Bethlehem expecting child. They search the end to find a place for you We're coming soon There was no room for them to stay So in a manger filled with hay God's only son was born Oh, hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. The shepherds left their flocks by night to see this baby wrapped in light. A host of angels led them all to you. It was just as the angel said, you'll find him in a manger bed, Emmanuel and Savior, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. A star shone bright out in the east to Bethlehem. The wise men three came many miles and journeyed along for you. And to the place which you were, the frankincense, the golden earth, they gave to you and cried out, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
I know you came to rescue me That baby boy would grow to be a man And one day die for me and you My sins would drive the nails in you The rugged cross was my cross too Still every breath you drew was hallelujah Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.